Hello, world. Welcome to another edition of the world's greatest podcast, Mr. Speaker Speaks. So good to be back here again today. I'm your host, the one and only Vincent T. Edwards, better known as Mr. Speaker. And my guest today is Dr. Rushford, and we're going to talk about health today. Um, Some things that you can do. Um, He's been working uh, with the COVID-19 pandemic, and he's been on the front line. So we're going to have a great health show today. But like always, on Mr. Speaker Speaks, Heavenly Father, I come to you right now just to say thank you and to give you praise and glory and honor for all that you have done and all that you continue to do. God, I just thank you how you are taking care of those who are on the front lines and and keeping them safe and protected so that they're able to help those who are suffering during this period of time with the pandemic of the coronavirus. But God, we just thank you for you'll never leave us nor forsake us. And now I just ask for your presence to be here during this interview um, to open up the hearts and minds and ears of our listeners so that we can learn something from Dr. Rushford. And also, Lord, I just ask that you put your hands around him and your arms of protection and your Holy Spirit upon him to keep him safe from any hurt, harm, or danger while he is on the front lines, Lord, and protect him. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The inspirational verse that I'll use today will come from the book of 3 John. uh, 3 John and uh two and it says beloved i wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health even as thy soul prospereth beloved i wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health even as thy soul prospereth my guest today dr rushford he is a traditionally trained physician who practiced practices regenerative and functional medicine. During the COVID-19 pandemic, he has been working on the front lines with patients in New York and in Puerto Rico. He is currently working with New York companies and rental real estate distribution and tech to help them to get their employees back to work by writing opening protocols and establishing testing logistics. Today, he's going to talk about how businesses can help employees prepare their immune systems for a second wave of COVID-19 and what will be required to get people back to work safely to avoid the spread of this virus. Dr. Rushford, welcome to Mr. Speaker Speaks. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's great. So um, when you first went to medical school, medical school, um, what was your area of practice? Um, actually, I went in Puerto Rico, uh, to Puerto Rico for medical school, and then I trained in New York City back in the day when St. Vincent was open. That was the hospital that dealt with 9-11 back in the day. And I did internal medicine, a few years of surgery, and then I went into hormone replacement and wellness training. So I specialized more in performance medicine and athletes and basically uh, patients that want to get into shape and have better performance, run, you know, the the Tour de France, uh, not professionally, but at least ride it out and run their marathons for 5Ks here and there and just have a good time and have quality of life with their families. Wow. So that's uh, totally different um, than regular medicine. What is regenerative and functional medicine? 
I mean, I've never really heard that well, term before. What what I tell my patients is, you know, I got trained to treat disease, and I learned how to treat health, basically. Uh, you know, I, I don't want to wait for my patients to get sick so I can give them some sort of pharmacological agent to cure or, or you know, or lower their disease or their condition rather than see what's, what's, what they're lacking versus nutrients or just fine-tuning their bodies to improve their health. So I always try to tell my patients that I, I see them as out-of-shape athletes and how can I put them back into shape instead of seeing as a, you know, as a patient with a medical condition in that, in that way. So, so you view all your patients as athletes. I mean, how, is, how challenging is it to get people to get into that mindset because athletes train constantly and consistently? I started treating professional athletes uh, for the most part, and with time, they started telling me, doctor, can you see my mom, my dad, my brother, who maybe they were not in the best shape at hypertension, diabetes, and what? how can I apply what I use with professional athletes? It's very like complicated physiological treatment and a more simple way to, like the average show, like I, I used to run marathons, I still do, not in a professional way. How can I apply that medical knowledge into making somebody able to run a 5K or be able to ride your bicycles for like a little competition and enjoy it. So with time, it just expanded into the weekend warrior, you know, the, the mom and pop and the brother who just wanted to keep up with their family. Hmm. So how do you differ from a regular personal trainer? Because everybody, you know, once things can open up, you know, people want to go back to the gyms, but there's a lot of online stuff now. How do you differ from a regular personal trainer well i i'm i'm an md a medical doctor i don't deal with the exercise per se i deal with the physiology of the body how the body needs specific nutrients and how to measure blood levels to optimize what goes into the body so when they actually do their exercise they have everything they need to perform better obviously i relate to professionals that study the physiology of, of the body to you know, teach the mechanics of running, the mechanics of cycling, the mechanics of different sports, and I complement them in that way. So I, I do the actual, you know, the, the medical license, medical part of the hormones, the nutrition, the IV infusions, and basically what's lacking. Like a lot of people don't understand that once you start doing more activity, you require more nutrients and, and different ways of eating depend, depending on what sport you do. Uh, and that's basically what, what I complement with. And my kudos to the trainers. You know, they do a great job. They have tremendous expertise by sport. So we both learn from each other. Every time I can, I can join forces with them and learn from them, I learn as much as I can, and they learn from me to try to keep our patients healthy. So what exactly were you, are you doing and were you doing on the front lines in dealing with the coronavirus crisis? So when I, when I trained in New York City, they instituted after 9-11 the New York Medi uh, Medical Corps of Volunteers. And I've been a member of it and actively getting their, you know, their trainings and everything. Uh, and I do have a lot of very good friends who are physicians, nurse practitioners, PAs, and nurses here in the city. Um, and they just called for help. And, you know, obviously I just r raised my hand and flew in to, to New York. And I got assigned to be in Coney Island Hospital. Uh, first, I wanted to stay 10 days, and there was no flights, and things got extended, so I ended up being there almost close to eight weeks at their uh, ER and their tent, just started to treat the massive amount of patients and learning from each one that came in. You know, at first, 
it was a very novel condition, very different changes, so much information coming in. We needed to put our heads together and try to figure out a way to give the best medical advice, knowing the, little, the least amount of information from the condition. So what have you learned now working both in New York and in Puerto Rico with regard to the virus? Does it affect uh, people differently from different parts of the world? It, 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 it has. It's, it's ever-changing symptomatology. That there's so many things that this virus can create from the pediatrics that they have, the, you know, the very strange arterial condition of inflammation to the most basic that everybody knows, the fever, you know, shortness of breath, cough, and so forth. It, you know, we, we, saw it, we saw everything. There were thousands of patients coming through the ER, not even hundreds, but thousands. So we, I think we saw every variant and also the block clots that it creates. And we need to figure out a way how to identify those patients and treat them early. What did we learn was we have to go back to basics, you know, a thorough examination of the body and just basic common questions were key to knowing if the patient was exposed, was having symptoms to the virus. And at the end of the day, what's really curing the patient is their own immune system. So it's, it's, it's interesting that we're going back now to taking care of our bodies, respecting our bodies, and not only that, also being conscious about other people. It's, it's a condition that it's very sad that it came about, but also brought humanity to its knees and taught humanity, taught all of us that we need each other to protect each other. And the way this condition stops is people knowing that they can affect somebody else, you know, keep your social distancing, keep your face mask, be courteous to people and, 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 and respect people and respect your body in a sense. So even though it brought a lot of bad things, I think it brought a lot of good things that people realize that they need to work on. Looking back in history, um, what did we learn um, from a historical perspective, a medical perspective, from the Spanish flu that we implemented with the coronavirus? Did that episode help us at all to fight this current situation? Well, a, a big difference when the Spanish flu came in, it, it went away because the world let it ran its course, right? There was no way of really containing. We didn't have the technology to track everything down. So the Spanish flu kind of ran its course. It infected everybody who was going to be infected. Unfortunately, a lot of people died who were going to die from the condition. Uh, and this time, it's the same thing, but obviously we wanted to save as much life as possible, and we understood that our health system couldn't take care of everybody at the same time. So we need to spread out how many people got infected in X amount of time. So now it's a matter of delaying the, the transmission of the disease in a way that we have enough medical resources in our healthcare system to treat everybody and be able to provide good and timely quality care to everybody who's going to get sick. Correct me if I'm wrong, but what I'm hearing is in, in 1918, it ran its course. And today, this virus still has to run its course. So is it almost like inevitable that everybody is going to be touched personally by this virus for it to run not its course? By, not by, well, not, not, I wouldn't say it's going to be everybody's going to get infected. I I, I do think everybody's going to be touched by somebody or something related to COVID-19. Everybody's going to be affected directly with, by something, either a family member who got sick, a friend who, got, oh, who passed away, something in that sense. But uh, what, what, uh, what happened back in the day when everything ran its course is everybody got exposed. Now with social distancing and keeping our, our 
you know, means of protection and masks and face coverings and everything, the virus, if it, if it cannot jump from one host to the other one, it's not going to keep spreading. So let's say we can contain the infected people within a room. If they stay there, the virus, ultimately, the, you know, their immune system is going to fight it off. Some people are going to pass away. Some going to people get sick, but it's not going to come out of the room. So what we're trying to do is try to keep people as distant as possible so the virus doesn't have so many hosts to jump from one another. What they're calling herd immunity doesn't mean that everybody needs to be immune. It just means that enough people are exposed or enough people are vaccinated in a way so the virus doesn't have, doesn't have anywhere else to go. Okay, so it just basically runs out of places to go and just dies. Correct. It just, well, it disappears in a sense, yeah. It disappears. It can only be alive in the human body in a sense. Okay, so help me to understand um, this whole concept of viruses and, and looking at the flu because you know, based upon what you just said, okay, if it dies off, it just, it just goes away. Why doesn't that happen with the flu? Every year it seems to come back. It's a different strain. It's a different, different version, different flu shot. Are we looking to have the same thing with the coronavirus? Well, the, the, with the flu, is one of the things with the flu is that it changes enough to be a different strain every year. So your body knows it's a flu, but it, it, it's not immune to the whole thing. Like uh, one of the things that I say, like let's say you go to a party, right, with, with guests. Okay. And you know everybody in the room. And you know who's a troublemaker, who knows you, who's a guy, nice guy. You know everybody, so you know what to do. So when you have the flu the body already knows it's like a bad virus and it can start, can start fighting it off, even though it's kind of different this year. You know, maybe he left the hair long or changed his shirt, but you, you can identify the flu. The body can do it. With COVID, with coronavirus, uh, it's a brand new character to the party. You never know. The body doesn't really know if it's going to be a good or a bad person. Okay? So once your body starts to know that that's not going to be a good person, it's already too late. He infected everybody. So that's the best, the best analogy I give. And we don't know what's going to happen with COVID. What we do know is we have the means to stop it and distract if we actually follow good guidelines, good hygiene, and good social distancing. We can actually choke it, and it doesn't have anywhere else to go. If that happens, there's no way for it to mutate or change or do something else. Hmm. Are there any other preventative strategies that you can share to help people um, outside of the physical distancing, and what have you been doing to protect yourself? And I know you're on the front lines. So, so now I um, I have been blessed. I've, all my tests have been negative. I've been with very sick people, and everything is. I think I've gotten like 13 or 15 tests already from all everywhere. Uh, so I've been blessed enough that I've been I've been healthy. Uh, the first thing is to respect your body. You know, eat well, do your exercise. Your body is the ultimate powerhouse. It's going to kill or defend you against the virus. You know, it boosts your immune system through diet, exercise, good supplements. I personally use one that it's a mushroom extract called HCC. And uh, I use vitamin C to a point, but they ran out in a lot of different places. So uh, HCC was good in killing and, and fighting the, the flu. So it, it, it worked. My experience with, I can tell you from my mom and dad, uh, HCC is used a lot to supplement people and help them through prostate cancer to help their immune system. Um, my dad is 80, and he's been taking it for several months before the, just before COVID. Uh, he never got anything, but my mom got COVID, and she got really, really sick, and they lived together. 
so I can, you know, I, I've been taking that supplement for years, but it was, it was very interesting that two people sleeping in the same bed, doing the same things, eating, you know, how when they're in their aging, they want to be together. It's not, it's hard to understand, to, to explain to them, you know, mom, stay in this room, dad, stay there. Uh, and she got really, really sick. I was fortunate enough to be there and I was able to, to take care of her and she's fine now, thank God. Uh, but my dad never got anything and he was like, what's this big fuss about? I'm, I'm healthy and I'm good. Uh, so in that sense, I can just tell you my personal experience with it. Uh, I've been taking it myself and the few prior patients that I gave it to in the past also have been good. But at the end is, you know, getting quality information, quality ingredients, taking your, your supplements and something that you need to know is not taking it once, but doing it as a life change. This is going to change how you live. This is going to change how you take care of your body and how you treat others. So if you start eating better, this is something you need to be doing for the rest of your life. If you start your supplements, this is something you're going to be, you're going to be taking for the rest of your years. You're listening to Mr. Speaker Speaks, and my guest today is Dr. Rushford. And we're talking about uh, your immune system, um, how to be healthy during the COVID crisis. And he was just talking about a supplement, and that's AHCC. What does that stand for? Oh, it's it's a very long oh, it's correlated of, compound. It's, it's a it's, compound. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, it's a huge. Uh, you know, and, yeah, uh, don't have to give. It's one of those technical it's, terms. It's, a, it's, a, it's believe me. Everybody's going to go like what? HCC is the act is, is a short version of it, and uh, the website uh, for the information, like vitamin, like the vitamin D society, is hcc.net, and and you know the reputable sites that have a good quality information to patients, and that's another thing they need to actually. When they go online to look for things, they need to actually go to reputable sites to look for evidence-based information when they decide to take X or Y supplements, not just taking different random things because they saw an ad on the Internet, because they can actually do more harm than good. Uh, and it's, it's a mushroom extract. It's, it's uh, how it works. It modulates your immune system. One thing is to boost your immune system. The other thing is to boost it and modulate it. Uh, one of the things that you want to do is like the Army, right? Yes. Want, uh, you want to be coordinated how your body fights a disease. You don't want the whole immune system to go, to go haywire and go crazy on you because that's not good either. So this supplement actually helps your immune system organize itself to be able to fight, in, you know, the studies for it with the flu, to fight the flu in a coordinated, organized way. And that way uh, your body knows what to do and what order to do and be more, more efficacious, you know, more... Uh, and do it just just do it more orderly and not not you know go into this haywire that COVID creates when people uh, lose control of their immune system and we cre- we believe that that's part of the reason why COVID is creating blood clots and actually create cause more deaths at the long run because it was creating blood clots through the deregulation of the immune system. Before um, one quick question um, with regard to uh, testing. You know, and I, I, I've been tested because I had to, um, and, you know, my test w- w- was negative. Um, why is it that they have to put that swab or that long Q-tip up your nose rather than doing a blood test? Why is that? Well, the what one of the things that when you did it, you need to be blowing out of your nose, by the way. So you did the, the it, it doesn't go up the nose, it goes backwards right into the nose so it goes all the way 
to the back of the nose. People think it's going to your brain. It's not really going to your brain. It's just going straight back. Yes. And also you need to be, you need to be blowing out through your nose. So order if you have any cells that can be blown out to be trapped by little, that little brush that it does. So basically it's just scraping and taking very superficial cells that they can actually take to this big complicated PCR machine. Again, we try to keep it simple, but it's, it's, polymerase chain reaction like HCC. I try to keep things very simple for people to understand it. Mm. And what they do is amplify the virus and look for it there, make sure it's there. But that's what is, is doing it. The virus lives in those cells in that superficial in that superficial area. So that it's more probable that you get more more sampling from that area than anything else. So in the blood Okay, yeah, the, go ahead. With the blood. Yeah, the blood cells don't carry the virus. Okay. The, blood, the blood cells do carry antibodies or the reaction of the body to a specific condition. Uh, one of the things that the swab is better because the, the body uh, takes a, f- a few days or weeks to create antibodies, okay? So if you only check for antibodies, you can, be, you can have the, the disease or the virus, but your body hasn't mounted a reaction to it, so you won't be able to measure the presence of it. But when you do the swab, you can actually test for the actual virus itself when you do the blood it means that your body created a mounted an immune reaction to it and it's fighting something so you have specific antibodies against that disease and with more you know complicated testing you can identify different viruses in different conditions depending on what type of antibody it is wow interesting because i was just like there has to be a better way that was a very uncomfortable test when it comes to your immune system, can you boost it overnight, or does it take time, and how much time, if so? Well, a lot of people have a good immune system. All they do is, all they need is to take care of it, right? That's a lot of the people, the young people, people get are fitter and doing an active lifestyle. Nothing can be done overnight, and like managing or prepping your immune system to be better is something that starts day one and just never ends. You need to be cautious about it, and, and you need to be disciplined about what you do. It's like, let's say you want to run a, you want to win the Olympics in 100 meters, right? Mm-hmm. It doesn't, you're not going to run 100 meters overnight in 11 seconds. Mm-hmm. You have to go slowly and steadily until you reach a point that then you can keep it and sustain that velocity and that distance. So the immune system is the same way. You have to start slow or start from day one and then keep the practice of it, uh, you know, the immune system is a very interesting thing. A lot of people, uh, uh, it's very complicated in how it works. It, it defends about, against everything and everything you know. And if it doesn't recognize something, it learns. So it's something that evolves with us as we age also. Interesting. I am really getting an education today. When it comes to um, the country, the economy, opening back up we have some states that are on the decline with the virus some are going up what are your recommendations to companies organizations looking at hey we want to start bringing people back because i hear a lot of people they're just taking temperatures i mean does that work does that help what types of things should they be doing well i i'm going to give you an example of something that happened to me that kind of changed the way i think about the whole situation. 
maybe it was week seven that I was in the ER. I was doing night shift, and this lady came in, very nice lady. I think she was from Costa Rica, I think. She was Spanish-speaking. She came with a 10-year-old son, and they looked not sick, but kind of hungry and malnourished. And I said, like, how can I help you? And she said, doctor, I'm hungry. We, uh, you can, if you have any food, can you help us? Like, but this is a, this, everybody here has COVID. Everybody's infected. Why are you here? Because we're desperate. We haven't eaten in a couple of weeks and everything that we got in our little things here and there. And she used to work in a deli or worked in a deli in New York and she lost her job because of COVID. And by the time the, the, you know, the unemployment kicked in, she was starving. So there has to be a balance of, of, you know, the medical necessity and, and urgency of this and the socioeconomic aspect of giving people the ability to work, earn a living, and, and, and feed their, their family. So after that, that example, this is what I tell everybody I get when they ask me that question. There has to be a balance between our social responsibility of keeping us and other people safe and also giving the space of other people to earn a living in a healthy, safe way too. This is very simple, simply cheap. You know, if you're conscious and you're a good human being and you wear your mask and you keep your social distance and you know this is going to pass sooner or later, but you, you understand that you can really harm somebody if you don't take care of those simple things. That's all we're asking about people to be decent, decent human beings. You know, we're not asking inhumane things to be done. Just wash your hands, wear a face mask and just keep your social distancing until things pass along and pass away. This is, this is going to end one day. It's, it's up to us when it's going to end, whether the next couple of months or later. Hmm. Dr. Rushford, talk to us about your services now and take us to your, your website, fitbodymd.me. What can you do for my listening so, audience? So basically I, I do a lot of physiological testing and what I do is um, more profound supplementation and manipulation of the body, if I can explain. Let's say you, when, when you have a, a Formula One race car, right? Correct. The, how you do mechanics on that car is very specific and very simple in the sense that it's, it's, it's only for the race car. You have high-end equipment. You have very specific technological skills for that. But when you build a street car, a street car you a lot of times you apply a lot of that very complicated, high-tech technology into the streetcar to make it more efficient, to make it better. So I train how to fix or how to do mechanical for a Formula One. And what I did is brought different little techniques of how you fix a Formula One and brought it to the streetcar, meaning to us. How can we benefit from that medical knowledge that we use for professional athletes in the day to day, let's say you, you know, you turn 50 this year and your goal is to walk the Camino Santiago or, or do like a, you know, go to Europe and, and walk miles with your family or something you, you wanted to do. What I do is apply that high end technological medical knowledge from professional athletes in a more simpler way for us to achieve different goals in life that we want to do whether it be competitive or just enjoying whether it's grandsons or doing, you know, uh, like a 5K. You know, I want to do a 5K in 23 minutes. 
and I want that's my life goal. I want to run it quickly, safely, and I want to I want to be able my body to to do it in a very nice way. That's what I do. Well, and so, so basically, when they contact you, you do a consult, and do they walk away with a plan and instructions to follow? And do they have to work in conjunction with a professional trainer, or they can just take what you give them and begin to implement it? What I do, I do a questionnaire, and then I do some blood work, and then I call the patients and tell them, look, I think I can do something for you. This is what I can do for you. And then I'll let the patient decide. If, there's, if we're a fit of what I can provide, of, you know, giving my, my medical knowledge, then I bring him in. I give him a, a, a nutritional or medication protocol. I'm, I'm a trained doctor, so I use medications too. And then I do prefer them to have some kind of physical activity, whether – it's a professional trainer. It's like a, it's a gym or it's some kind of other uh, uh, physical activity that they enjoy. We try to join that physical activity with the medical and nutritional knowledge and make a plan with it so they can actually enjoy it. I always ask patients what they love to do or where, what would they love to be doing, and I guide my, my, my endpoint towards that because, you know, you have to be healthy, but also you have to be happy. So you have to achieve a balance between happiness and health. And that's why I also try to to teach my patients. I like that, a balance between happiness and health. And that's fitbodymd.me. You can go there and find out more, fitbodymd.me. We keep hearing this term, uh, second wave, second wave, um, another spike. What can we do uh, to protect ourselves or prepare ourselves for a second wave, and is a second wave inevitable when it comes to the coronavirus? Well, I think a second wave is going to be it's going to come our way. I don't think it's going to be as big as the first wave of the amount of people that we treated. Now we have important things. We have more medical knowledge. We're more conscious about different symptoms that we could identify patients quicker. So we can treat patients quicker when they have less symptoms. So instead of waiting until day seven to treat somebody, when the first game came about, we can identify patients quicker. We have now the, the acquired knowledge from that learning experience that we had. And now is the time to start boosting your immune system, to start eating right, to take, you know, your vitamin C, your HCC, your uh, vitamin D, get your levels, go to your primary, primary care doctor and say, look, I want to have my, this is my full physical for the year. I haven't had it in two years. Now is the time to get it. And figure out what's, what's lacking, what's wrong, and how to fix it now. So if the second wave comes in, you're in a better position of knowing where you stand, number one, and what things you can do to actually help your body out. To Whether it's COVID or whatever comes your way, right? It can just be the common flu, that every year, every year you have it and you have fever for a week. And maybe now you can actually improve your health and fight it off quicker. Hmm. So it doesn't have to be COVID. It has to it, it, it just has to be for your body to be prepared to fight whatever you need to fight off. So it's all about preparing and keeping uh, a great immune system to be able to fight off anything that comes your way. Yes. One last question. What's the sure. biggest takeaway that you've um, come across in working with this virus, this pandemic? What's the biggest takeaway for you? that you can share? I think we had so much high technology and so much, 
so many advances in medicine that we drown ourselves in so much, you know, complexity that at the end of the day, this was a very, a, a disease that brought us to our knees and brought just primary care to the light of everybody. This is something, you know, everything that you used to treat COVID is very primary care oriented. I think we should go back to the mom and pop physicians, to those doctors that know everything about us, that when we change the way we're acting, they know we're sick. And that's the biggest takeaway. You know, sometimes basic is better. And this is one of the things that we should never neglect our basic upkeep of your basic yearly physical or having a, a trusted doctor that we can call in, having a local clinic that we can confide in and we can go in for, you know, for the fever, for the chills, for diarrhea, uh, you know, basic vaccinations. So I think that's the biggest takeaway too. We should never forget about the basic stuff in life because at the end of the day, that's what this disease showed me at least, that it was it was so many basic stuff that we were forgetting as doctors that we need to go back to our roots and start treating patients, just asking questions. How do you feel getting your temperature? Going back, back to medical school day one. Oh, wow. Powerful. Any last words for my audience today? You can you know, talk about your book, Fight Colds, Flu, and Other Infections with HCC. Any last words you want to give? I think this is something, you know, again, it's, it's, it's responsibility of everybody to be good to themselves and to other people. And as we are good to ourselves and to other people, this is going to end. You know, nobody's immune. Nobody's going to be hiding from this. Everybody's going to be exposed or suffer somehow from COVID. But it shouldn't give us anger or fear. It should actually embark a knowledge quest from all of us to learn more and just act responsibly. And... If we do our, if we're decent human beings and we just follow basic, simple guidelines, we can actually do a lot of good. You know, there's no government or army in the world that can, can fight this, but our, each one can just make it the right decision at any time and help out. I think that's the best takeaway I can give. Well, thank you so very much. The best takeaway is the basics. And I like that because I'm an army man and basic training will save you in any type of situation. Dr. Rushford, I want to thank you so very much for all of the information and the insights that you've shared with my audience here today on Mr. Speaker Speaks. It's been truly a pleasure having you. Dr. Rushford, are you still there? Well, we've lost him, but I just want to close out um, today. It's been so good talking to Dr. Rushford. Um, and we're going to ready to close this episode of Mr. Speaker Speaks. You know, and all that you do, be magnificent. Until next time, I want you to be good, be blessed, but most of all, be a blessing to someone. <laughs>